Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. I have been working on the book of John. I explained in an earlier session that it's not a gospel. It's actually Hebrew wisdom literature, which seeks to ask very deep questions to look for a deep understanding of the nature of God. Who is God? The nature of God. What is God doing in this world? This is, this is characteristic of wisdom literature. In the last session, we heard the Pharisees say to Yeshua, By what authority do you do these signs? There were seven signs. By what authority do you do these signs? And Yeshua actually gave an answer in three parts. The first part of the answer, he said, Well, I speak for God. God gives me the very words that I speak. And we hear that in John twelve forty nine. I did not speak on my own initiative. These are not my words. But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to exactly what to say and exactly what to speak. Now, I added exactly, but what to say and what to speak. And this is a prophet. A prophet speaks for God. But Yeshua was not just any prophet. He was the prophet that had been uh, foretold by Moses, uh, Moses as a prophet who would come after Moses. But all the words that he spoke were not his own words. They, they came from God. It's as if God were speaking. The second thing he, he made uh, explained here is that the acts, not just the words, but his actions, all his actions were as if God were doing them. And we, we saw that in the story of Joseph. Joseph was second in command of Pharaoh, but um, he, he had the signet ring. So whatever he did, it was as if the Pharaoh himself were doing it. And that's the ancient concept of agency. And in the Joseph story, uh, Pharaoh says, you shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage to you only in the throne. I will be greater than you. And that's a type of the Messiah. The father is greater than the son. Uh, but the son has the power and authority to do everything on behalf of the father. That's the ancient custom of agency. So when Yeshua did signs, it was, it was as if God himself were doing the signs because he was the agent for God. And um, we see that, let's see, in, for, for Yeshua, all the actions that he does are actions of God. We read in uh, John 4.34, um, my food, says Yeshua, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, the work of the Father. So Yeshua is doing the work of the Father, and he's accomplishing the work of the Father. Now, the word accomplish is an interesting one. You have to let yourself be curious to these words, and then you look up key words. We, we teach that and show you how to do that in the uh, our program, uh, Recovering Ancient Methods of Bible Study. That's just the tip of the iceberg of what we do, but that's one of the things that we do. And so your curiosity is drawn to accomplishing the work of the Father. It's the Greek word teleao, which means to bring to an end, to complete, to make perfect. So God 
gives Yeshua the things that God wants him to do. It's as if God were doing them himself, and that is bringing about the completion of God's work. Now, the com- complete complete is still future, but what is happening now is bringing about the completion of God's work. So, going back to this, um, we're going to spend the rest of the session, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And I'm going to show you this relationship between Yeshua and the Father. Uh, We've seen who Yeshua is, how he's acting on behalf of the Father. It's as if the Father were acting. Now let's take a little closer look. Because Yeshua says to Peter, Peter Peter said to him, we want to know the Father. You know, how do we know the Father? Take us to the Father. We want to know the Father. And but the Father is spirit. The Father is spirit. It says that in John four twenty four. The Father is spirit, and we read first in Exodus, "You cannot see my face," said said God the Father, "for no man can see me and live." And this is picked up by John in the book of John in three eighteen. No one has seen God at any time. And by the way, it's repeated again in 1 Timothy 6.16, no man has seen or can see God. This is referring to the Father who is spirit. It is impossible to see spirit. It's impossible to experience spirit with your five senses. You cannot see, taste, touch, smell, feel, or I think those are the five. So you've got to come to know the Father in a different way than your five senses. And Yeshua is saying to Peter, if you had known me, Peter, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So it's as if Yeshua were the father. That's the ancient concept of agency. So we come to know the father by knowing Yeshua. By the way, my own um, personal perspective is that Yeshua leads us to the father. So uh, we not only see the Father in Yeshua, but he is actually leading us to the Father. And um, and in a sense, I, I speak for my, for my own life, because the, the more, the cro- closer I grow to Yeshua, the more I'm in the Word, the more I'm working on the Word and growing closer to Yeshua, the more I am coming to feel close to the Father who has no form. And uh, that's what Yeshua was saying. So, let's see. Um... Now what I want to do is I want to explain to you that the book of John, the first 13 chapters are a unit. You get to the very last verse in chapter 13, and let me read it to you. This is the last verse in chapter 13. Peter said to Yeshua, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered Peter and said, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now that story continues in the first verse of chapter 18. We have to skip over chapters 14, 15, 16, 17. And let me read to you. It it, it continues in 18.1. When Yeshua had spoken these words... He went forth with his disciples over the ravine of the Kidron, the Kidron Valley, where there was a a garden in which he entered with his disciples. And what follows is the story of the crucifixion and resurrection. So there's an interruption at the end of chapter 13, and it picks up almost like, you know, without any interruption at all. If you take out chapters 14 through 17, there's no interruption at all. 
So 14 through 17 seems to be an interruption. Now, there, there are um, several theories about this. By the way, these chapters are referred to as long discourses. They're not narratives. It's not telling you what's happening. Uh, they're long discourses, and, and Yeshua is going on in very lengthy explanation about things. It's a very different uh, form of composition from the rest of the book of John. Some scholars suggest that this was added probably by the Johannine community themselves. I mean, you know, not by editors, but by the very people who wrote the book of John. They put that in there at that point. Um, again, they, they had this um, ongoing um, extreme tension with the uh, Jewish leaders and the the purpose of the book of John was to set forth their position and to to respond to the the Jewish leaders and and to lay out in wisdom literature um, this whole understanding of who Yeshua is and what he's doing. So it may have been that that they themselves added that. Um, and um, but but we don't know. We're not sure. It it may just have been in there to begin with. But it is rather striking to hit those chapters and they're they're just long discourses. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into these long discourses <laughs> because in the long discourses we're going to get um, information about the relationship of Yeshua to the Father and then that we're going to extend that to our relationship with Yeshua and through Yeshua our relationship to the Father. So um, I'm going to give you a key verse and this is a verse that you've got to have in front of you. You might even want to put it down and paste it up in your bathroom. Okay, it's in John 14:10. And Yeshua says, "Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me?" That's a rhetorical question. Yes, we believe that. We know that. He's telling us that he is in the Father and the Father is in the Son. All right? Now we've got to unravel that one. This is a metaphor, and I'm going to stop briefly and explain a metaphor. A metaphor is an extended symbol. A symbol is one thing represents another. And we take, let's see, a symbol. Um, uh, drink this cup of wine, it's my blood. Well, um, I, I would identify that as a symbol because we can, We it's very easy to recognize that wine represents blood because wine is a red liquid. Blood is a red liquid. So it's very easy to make that relationship. So one thing represents another. The wine represents the blood of Christ. Now you extend the meaning of that symbol and and you're not literally drinking the blood of Christ. You're remembering his crucifixion that led to the resurrection. So, but a symbol, one thing represents another and you can, it's easily recognized. Now a metaphor is a symbol but it's hard to write. It's not easily recognized. In fact, there's no literal connection. There's no literal connection. So I give an example here. A mighty fortress is our God. God is represented by a mighty fortress. So the mighty fortress is a symbol of our God. Now I want you to get a picture in your mind of a castle. A mighty fortress is a, a castle. All right. Just get a picture of a castle in your mind, medieval castle. Is that God? No. The symbol is that a, a mighty fortress is God. That's a symbol. 
God is represented by a mighty fortress. But it has no literal um, connection. You, you can't connect it literally. So it's a metaphor. So a metaphor has no literal connection. And a metaphor takes you much deeper than a symbol. Now, let me give you another example of a metaphor that you're going to be able to recognize a little bit better. All right. Let's say you're hungry and you eat, a, you're so hungry you eat a whole loaf of bread. I mean, you pick up that a loaf of French bread, man, and you just chump that down. And you feel satif- satisfied. Now, the, the bread is food. All right. I've just said a symbol. Okay, food is represented by bread. So bread is sort of an extension to mean all food. So if you eat bread, it, it, now now you're not literally eating bread. It, it becomes a symbol here. Bread is food. Um, food is is bread, and bread symbolizes food and eating and being full and being satisfied in Scripture. So you understand that. That's a symbol. Now we're going to extend it to a metaphor. The metaphor is this. Christ is the bread of life. Now, you may, I mean, you know what it means because you've worked on it, but stop and think for a minute. The bread of life, Christ is the bread of life. It's not a a literal connection. You have to stop and think about it. It's a metaphor. So, um, the the bread, bread of life, bread is life. Bread stands for life. Okay, you eat bread, you're going to live. But Yeshua is the bread of life. The the extended symbol, the metaphor, means that if you eat Yeshua, you're going to have life. <laughs> now, you don't literally eat Yeshua. Uh, you make him, first of all, you believe in him, and you have the promise of future life. But then in your daily walk, you have to eat him. You have to to, to devour him. You have to be with him all day. You have to, you know, um, just hang out with him and, and you know... And, and and then he becomes the bread of life. He becomes the bre- it, so that your walk is a walk of life, not a, a dead walk, which is a dead walk of sin. So a metaphor starts with a symbol. One thing represents another, but it's an extended symbol. It has no literal connection. But so you have to stop and really think about what it means. Now we have just read a metaphor. When I said, "Do not believe that," I, or "Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me?" I am in the Father. The Father is in me. So I am in the Father. So the I am the Father. The Father is me. They're metaphors. All right. Now let let's work on it. We know that no man has seen God at any time. All right. You you. In Exodus, we first get it. You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. John picks it up in 3.18. No one has seen God at any time. Referring to your your five senses. You can't see, hear, taste, t- touch, smell. All right, you, you can't use your five senses. God is spirit. Spirit has no form. Um, is, ruach for spirit is also used for breath and wind. It has no form. And First Timothy picks it up. No man is seen, uh, has seen or can see God. So this this is not a literal statement. It's a metaphor. Um, the Father is in me. So what what I do when I teach this, and I can't on the radio because I can't. I don't have anything visual. But I take um, a, a, a circle. 
that's smaller than the big circle, and the, and the smaller circle is the Father, and it moves into the bigger circle, which is Christ. That's the, the Father is in me. It's a metaphor. Now, what is the Father? He has no form. He's spirit. Uh, the Father, the nature of the Father is holy, perfect, righteous, truth, light. That nature of the Father is in Christ. Because the Father has no form. So that nature of the Father is in Christ. And then Christ says, he, he says, the Father is in me. I am in the Father. Well, when he, the Father is in him, he is in the Father. It means that they are one. Now, it doesn't mean they're the same. They are one. And, and let me explain this to you because it's, it's so important for you to understand it so that you understand your relationship with the Lord Yeshua. So let's let's talk about this. Okay. The um, okay. First, let me take you to um, uh, let's see. It's in uh, it's in First Corinthians. I think it's chapter five. And and we read that um, no, it's Second Corinthians five nineteen. I just found it. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Well, Yeshua has just said, the Father is in me. And we've just read the words of Paul. Um, God was in Christ. And the reason he was in Christ so that he could reconcile the world to himself. So, we've read about how Yeshua speaks for God, acts for God, is an agent for God, uh, and yet he's greater than the angels who are agents for God because he's the Son of God. So um, Christ is doing the work of the Father, so that God was in Christ in order that Christ would do the work of the Father to reconcile the world back to God. Now we get Christ, um, he says, I, I am in the Father. Not only is the Father in me, but I am in the Father. All right, this is important. When when the when they the two become they become one and they act as one, so that can be extended to to us. I I really want you to get this concept about who you are, because we read in Colossians that about this mystery that that um, the author of Colossians is is telling us that uh, Colossians there was this mystery and the mystery has now been made known and the mystery is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.27. Christ is in you. So as God was in Christ, so Christ is in you. Now the nature of the Father is is spirit, holy, (laughs) uh, you know, um, perfect, truth. That's the nature of the Father. And the nature of the Father was in Christ. And since Christ is in you, the nature of the Father is in you. And that's how you got the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how you got it. So... Christ is in you. Now, we're going to extend that because when you are in Christ, you are walking as he walked. Christ in you is a gift. And it's a gift, but you have to operate it. Let me give you sort of a rundown of, of the two, the, the two um, on a chart, you know, two columns here. The first column is Christ in you. Christ in you is a gift from God. It means you belong to God and you have the promise of eternal life. God is spirit, so whatever that spirit is, it's in you. 
It's in you, and it's holy. It's it's the Holy Spirit that's in you. It's God's nature that is in you. It's a gift, and that gift gives you the promise of eternal life. Now, in the other column, you have a picture of you are now in Christ, and that's something very different. Christ in you is the gift. When you are in Christ, you become one with him, and guess what? You speak for Christ. You walk as he walked. You do the works of Christ. You shine forth the light of God because that light of God is in Christ. You shine forth the light of God. So when you are in Christ, you are one with him. When you are one with him, then you are walking as he walked. We pick that up again in 1 John um, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. We read, the one who says he, he dwells, he abides, he dwells in Christ, ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. So, you know, if you just say, I'm in Christ, that isn't going to do diddly. <laughs> you have to be walking as he, cried, as he walked, and then you can say you are in Christ, or others will see that you are in Christ. I, I think in, in humility you will not say anything. You will simply walk as Jesus Christ walked. You will speak for him. You will act for him, um, and, um, and people will, will catch it. They'll see that you are walking as he walked, and you will shine forth the light of God. So the one who says he abides or dwells in Christ, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So, let's do a little bit more with, with um, well, there, there are two things. We have Christ in you, which is the gift. We have when you are in Christ, that's when you're walking as he walked. You're one with him. Christ in you, you're not one with him at all. It's a gift, it's in you, but you're not one with him. You're only one with him when you are walking as he walked and when you do, you are in Christ. It's that metaphor, you are in Christ. Now let's look at the first one. Christ in you, that's the gift. That's the Holy, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we read in Romans, if Christ is in you, now if you have faith in Christ, Christ is in you. It says so in scripture. You don't have to believe me. It says so, you have Christ in you if you believe in Christ. So if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So with that gift of Christ in you, which brings the nature of God, which is holy and spirit, you have the promise of eternal life. You belong to God. You're part of God's community. You belong to God. That doesn't mean you're walking in righteous ways because not all children are good children. (laughs) You know, I mean, they have to be taught. Um, They have to be, you know... Well, we don't spank anymore, but they have to be given consequences um, so that they will learn to walk in righteous ways. But if Christ is in you, which he is if you believe in Christ, then uh, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness and you have the gift of eternal life. Now come to you are in Christ. And we've just read, the one who says he abides in him ought also to walk as in the same manner. So... When you are in Christ, you are are doing the very same things that we read about with with Yeshua. Yeshua spoke for God. He was a prophet. He spoke for God. The New Testament says we are to prophesy. And um, 
Bible Interact is looking into to running a program so that we can bring people, to, they have to come to Albuquerque, although I suppose I could go out to them if they had a group of people, um, to, to pour through scripture so that they can learn how to, to speak for God, prophesy for God. Um, and, and then we learned about the ancient concept of agency. So when Christ was doing something, it was as if God was doing it. When you are walking as Yeshua walked, when you do something, it's as if Yeshua himself were doing it. You might say to someone, if you have seen me, you have seen the Messiah, if you are walking as he walked. And that's what Yeshua was saying. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because he was speaking for God, he was acting for God, he was doing all the things that God had him do, and we are called to do the same. Now, um, so so we in John 14.10, Yeshua says, Do not believe, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That was our key verse. And then we read in verse 7, If you have known me, you have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. 